we live in a beautiful part of LA and we deal with problems that are like any city problem, really. And there's a, there's a small, very vocal minority of people here in Brentwood who are racist, who are anti-homeless. Uh, last week, someone saw some uh, excrement. They just said it was homeless excrement on somebody's front lawn. That guy wanted to get together an armed militia to respond to it. No joke. Hey there. Welcome to Nice <laughs> Cracks me up. I say hey there every time and it just doesn't doesn't feel genuine somehow. Neither does hi there or hey beautiful human. I've tried so many different intros. None of them feel quite right. Just just letting you know, but not there. Anyway, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club where we're just trying with your help to make the world 10% nicer by every means necessary. I'm your host Todd Brilliant and today we have Uh, A hell of a treat for y'all. Our guest is someone that I met online. No, not like that. I mean, not that that's bad, you know, online dating. I've done it. I've done online dating. I've made some friends, made some love, made some lovely friends. Yeah, but uh, that's not what happened here. What happened here, we'll get into that. We'll get into everything. All will be made clear once we get past this intro, and into the talk with our guest. Yeah, superstar guest, comedian, TV writer, talk show host, podcaster, Spike Ferriston. Yeah, Spike's, uh, his career as a writer and a personality, there's a lot to it. But just like a few highlights that you'll probably know, Uh, you saw a few years ago, you saw a B-movie, right? I saw a B-movie, he wrote that, it's a good movie, it is. That Soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld, that's Spike's genius. And I have to, again, public uh, admission that I have not seen enough episodes of Seinfeld. I hadn't seen really very many at all until lately because it was just a period of time that I wasn't watching TV. Sucks. Now I'm getting back into them slowly. I'm like, oh, that's what everybody was on about. It's genius. Seriously, genius. Spike wrote a lot of Seinfeld. Also, David Letterman's best jokes, his very best jokes, probably Spike's. Maybe, maybe probably, at least some of them. He wrote for David Letterman, is my point. He also had a late night show for four years on Fox called Talk Show with Spike Ferriston. And he's really, really, really into cars, which is why he and super nice guy, Paul Zuckerman have a podcast you should check out called Spike's Car Radio, all right? Oh, oh, and his career, his signature career move was writing for Space Ghost Coast to Coast. You remember that show, right? Okay, we're going to dive into Spike's TV career and how he made sort of a series of leaps of faith, uh, one that I hope you will find inspiring if you're standing on a ledge of your own right now and looking to get into something new, something you're passionate about. But more than that, today's episode is about the most wonderful, horrible app in existence. I may have stolen those words. They're super accurate. We're talking you see about Nextdoor. Yeah, Nextdoor, that neighborhood app that can make a bucolic, charming neighborhood seem like a crime-ridden hellhole, which just isn't very super nice at all. I mean, unless unless you live in an actual crime-ridden hellhole, in which case it's all good, Baltimore. Just kidding, just kidding. Sorry, Baltimore, love you. Thing is, Nextdoor has the potential to be a really cool, really unifying example of online community building. Spike and I share our experiences dealing with, um, on Nextdoor, with some really mean-spirited folks. And we present some ideas on how to bring this platform, Nextdoor, into the light. How to make it super nicer, if you will. On some super nice club business, first of all, thank you for being in the club. If you're not in the club, just follow us on one of Mark Zuckerberg's soul-enriching platforms, or even better, go to our website, superniceclub.com, and sign up for our guaranteed-to-be-funny and nice newsletter. If it isn't, you can just unsubscribe. Uh, For extra bonus points and to really join the club, to join the insiders, text the secret phrase, um, secret phrase, yeah, right now, to 310-421-0393. 310-421-0393, Westside, what's up? Okay, 
and hit up our website, superniceclub.com, for the world's nicest shirts, hats, hoodies, stickers, etc., all of which are 100% guaranteed to start a nice conversation with a stranger or your money back. Yeah, the world needs more nice conversations. It really, really does. All right, let's do this. Turn off everything else. Tune out the rest of the world and drop in to nice work with Spike Ferriston, Jr. Spike, Spike Ferriston, welcome to Nice Work. Really glad you're here. I'm very, I'm very happy to meet Todd Brilliant. This is, uh, folks, this is a little bit different. Um, well, let me just, let me just start with my stock question. Where are you right now, Spike? Where are we? Where are you? Where are we? Yeah. Where are, are we? we sitting? Yeah. Yeah. We're in uh, downtown Brentwood, if there's such a thing, at a, a nice coffee shop we have here uh, across the street from Veterans Row. From Veterans Row. Yeah. So this is the first podcast, folks, if you've been listening, that is live in person, a real live podcast. So I'm sitting across from Spike and we are across the street from Veterans Row in Brentwood, which... We've done a whole podcast episode on this Veterans Row and the Veterans property, and it's a big issue here in Brentwood. It's, it's a row of, I'm going to guess here, what would you say, Spike, 30 tents? It's, the number's getting smaller, Yeah, actually. They're, yeah, they're reducing this. But uh, a row of tents, they're all purchased, I believe, by uh, one gentleman, and uh, they all have American flags because they're for veterans. Uh, on the other side of the fence is the... 1800s built veterans property here in Brentwood, which was uh, originally built to house up to 5,000 veterans. Those veterans who were here after World War One, many of them left to build what is now Brentwood and Santa Monica. There were a lot of the carpenters and construction workers who actually built our town. But due to greed and indolence, that property is no longer readily available to veterans. Well, they're in there. I think we should back up to why we chose this location, because you and I uh, met on Nextdoor. And not really met, I was just a fan of your posting on, on the Nextdoor app. And you were one of those few voices of reason in a sea of hyperbolic insanity. <laughs> and I was very, first of all, I have, I have some questions for you if you don't mind. Is Brilliant your last name? Because on Nextdoor, you're Todd Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's your real last name. That's, that's my my whole name. What yeah. nationality is Todd brilliant? Edwin Who gets that? Sorum brilliant. You know, that's a really good question. It's there's some family genealogy gaps. My my grandfather died in 1942. Uh, that's a weird coincidence because my grandmother died in 1942 in New York City. Oh, but S continue, Francisco, Mr. Brilliant. Um, and then uh, on my dad's side, there was not a lot of. I did I did 23 and me to kind of get a clue because I was always told oh you're uh, Native American I mean look at me right uh, and Norwegian I see Norwegian yeah 23 and me confirmed yes. there's no Native American in me uh, <laughs> but the brilliant name is many generations is what you're saying there are brilliants in France but I'm not French <laughs> um, <laughs> see I thought this was made up yeah. I thought and I would see you post, and you'd be really funny, or you had some, you would have some positive thing to say in that horrible place. And I would sit, say to my wife, "I go, you know this guy Todd Brilliant? You know who he is?" And we'd read some of your posts, and we would laugh together. You really have a unique signature and sense of humor when it comes to playing in that uh, in that neighborhood. And what he's trying to say is that I am a talented troll. No, you're funny. <laughs> you're funny because I work in comedy, and I recognized another funny person. And I think. Uh, you and I probably have the record for getting suspended the most on the Nextdoor app, right? I just came out of suspension, and you? I've got... Uh, <laughs> you, you're in November, November 3rd is my release date. <laughs> so there. So, so you're out right now, and uh, I just came back. Yeah, I'm on a 30-day timeout for, I, I think, uh, impersonating a Nextdoor... I know what you did. Yes. Yeah. I, that I post, made me laugh. I, I posted funny. saying, I've been, I've been asked by a next door executive to ask this question <laughs> to you folks. And, and the question, what was the question even? It was something about, uh, do you feel better when you complain about something on next door? Right. Yeah, yeah. How does it make you feel? What is yeah. the result of that complaining? Because it, it frankly is all complaining. It is. <laughs> and it's, there's not enough positive stuff. We live in a beautiful part of LA and we deal with problems that are like any city problem, really. We're the second biggest city in the United States, yeah. right? 
and we have those problems that come along with it. And there's a there's a small, very vocal minority of people here in Brentwood who are racist, who are anti-homeless, who want to. Uh, last week, someone saw some uh, excrement. They just said it was homeless excrement on somebody's front lawn. That guy wanted to get together an armed militia to respond to it. No joke. An armed oh, militia I, I of patrols it. to stop what he said was a homeless guy's poop on somebody's lawn. And, you know, uh, uh, my wife's very politically active, and she's like, I'm not going into that place. But I, but I would light up a cigar on Friday night and read your stuff, and, my, and I'd kind of fight the good fight and say, come on, everybody. They're doing their best here. Even at Veterans Row, they're working on getting these folks some help. Yeah. It take, it's a process. You don't just, you know, throw them into a garbage bag and ship them off to Phoenix or something. You have to take care of them. And you would just be outnumbered and ratioed and destroyed. Yeah. So I would get booted. And then I would immediately message Todd on Facebook and go, man, where are you? I need your help. <laughs> I just got booted. So it's true. So, folks, we don't usually lead with what's not nice, you know, but uh, we are sort of calling out on this special edition next door here. And to be fair, your experience may vary. All right. If you're listening and you have next door in a bucolic little town somewhere in the U.S., it, it could be wonderful because uh, the way it's run is they have moderators and those moderators are local. So Spike and I participate in a neighborhood, Brentwood, Santa Monica area, and the moderators also are racist and hate the homeless and, you know, are just, just fear-mongering paranoia. Is that paranoia. true this in Brentwood? Is it? Of, of, well, this is why we're Our getting kicked group. off. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting kicked off well, by the local moderators. I mean, let me be completely yeah. honest. I've been kicked off for name-calling. Yeah, I might have been too. You know, I get a little uh, upset when I see someone being openly racist and I don't hold back. Yeah. And yeah, I think I get reported. They don't. And and we get reported more often. I don't know that the leads are racist so much as they are in league together and they have an agenda. And that's, you know, when I talk to the folks at Nextdoor about this app, they say that's kind of an issue they're trying to figure out. You know, they have these people who are called leads who aren't being paid and they're not really trained. So, of course, you know, you call your friend, your other friend, and then you're taking care of your friends and then they vote you off the island and then you're gone. When you get suspended, that's done from the the national desk. Did you know that? I did not You know get that. reported to national. It's not these local folks. And they, frequently out of context, but I imagine sometimes not, they go, this comment, that's the one you were out. So you can, right. you can write support and say, hey, what happened? And they'll send you the one or two comments. The things I've been bounced for are fairly benign. Yeah. Fairly benign, kind of snarky comments. You know, I called someone ignorant. Oof. And, you know, oh, How my. How dare you? How dare I? Right. After they <laughs> called for the, the death of homeless people. With no, they, this was about yeah. after they were yeah. singing the praises of Jacksonville, Florida, and why it was a wonderful place when it's the height of the pandemic. They were this. They were the red hot center of the pandemic. Right. And we should be more like them. We shouldn't wear masks. We shouldn't get vaccinated. It was, you know, stuff like and that. And that's another struggle with next door is that there's a lot of false information right a lot of paranoia right uh, a lot of bad information yes now we're just talking about our experience here in brentwood and so to be clear folks if you don't know brentwood los angeles it's a nice part of la yes all right it is by all accounts a very nice safe place to live i did some stats and i found a couple things 77 percent of people polled here in brentwood feel like it's a safe place to walk at night. Oh, that's great. Right. I, and I went on a, a walk last night. The moon is bright. Jupiter where did you find Saturn. that? Yeah, where, of course. It's yeah. lovely here. Where did you find that number? I found that online. I didn't mark it. You wow, know. that's yeah. great. Um, I, I don't... I don't. That's been my experience my that this place is a lovely place. 32% lower overall crime. This is from the uh, LAPD uh, than the national average. 24% less property crime and 74% less violent crime. Yeah. And in fact, I couldn't find a single homicide all of last year. And only recently we had one right across the street. Right. The Veterans Row, a stabbing. There's another one brewing in Mandeville, but yeah. <laughs> there, was a bot, there was a house, and this is the nice part of town, right. that burned to the ground and there was a body found in it. But oh. that's never quite been explained. Okay. <laughs> Nobody like knows. I haven't heard it. And, and the counterterrorism unit was over there. Yeah, on Mandeville Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Really? I never followed up the story, but when I read that in the, in the newspaper, I went, oh my, what is that? Well, they had a, they had a big, there's a party house in Mandeville Canyon. Well, there's that and house. And people were yeah. very upset about it. They were very upset that there was uh, 
underage drinking, yes. that the homeowner had, was irresponsible. Yes, that was a good story. It's a good story. First of all, the, the, there's a girl who um, OD'd on fentanyl, like all BS. She right? didn't, yeah, no, right. She just got a little drunk, big deal. The other part about I Love It is that the person who owns the house is a huge power player right. in LA. And I know everybody knows who that person is, doesn't need to be named, but there's like this code of honor in there and all this sort of like false outrage. Whose house is that? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys know whose house that is. Like, I saw that. You know? Well, because we're all parents and we all, you know, you're at, you're raising little animals and yeah. they make mistakes and they're learning, right? I, I saw the story and I was very sympathetic. I would not dare tread into that post and say anything because that was all moms yeah and all philosophies on what to do and how to raise kids and i was just like i'm standing back away from that one but there's a lot of good stuff like i'm surprised at how many of my neighbors own land tortoises <laughs> those big and i'm not joking and how frequently these tortoises escape they 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 walk in slow motion yeah, somehow they escape and there'll be a post every week about i've got a giant tortoise in my backyard and that i find wildly entertaining you know the pet pose, the the you know the the, the lives of your neighbors are, is really interesting. And when that app is not political, it's it's fun. It's yeah, fun. It is fun. And I've met some uh, some good friends. So yeah, Nextdoor is a neat place. Ideally, I mean, one of the things they will say is you can't walk anymore in Brentwood. Which is why we're here. We're yeah. sitting here on a beautiful sunny afternoon. There's a sneaker sale going on across the street, 50% off with lots of families and people walking dogs. I come here all the time for coffee. I've, I've lived here for nine years. I've walked around this city. Nothing has ever happened to me. Occasionally, I've had an interaction with a homeless person not even close to what it was like in New York City for me or in Boston. But you know, if you live in, if you live in a city, if you're if you're used to these things, occasionally a bicycle will get stolen. Petty yeah. crime is just a fact of life. A lot of Prius catalytic converters are <laughs> right. disappearing around Brentwood. I, I mean, have you? I, I'm trying to think. Somebody stole something off my porch last year, and it was food. And I thought, well, oh, okay, if they have to eat, go ahead, you can have it. That's about it. Having, other than that, it's it's lovely. Look, I rode yeah. my bike here today. This is yours. Yeah, I rode oh, my electric bike down, yeah. and what a what a beautiful you know ride it was. And I lived in Hollywood when I first moved here, uh, and lived in East Hollywood, and it, there was crime there for sure. <laughs> yeah, but here. It is like a mall, and, but you wouldn't think so. Looking, looking on next door, the the the, the people just saying, yeah. "Oh, it's yeah. it's dangerous." And there was one woman who posted saying, um, "I'm really appreciative for next door." I think in response to my question, because I've lived here for ten years or twelve years, and I always thought it was the, just the nicest, safest place. But now. Thank you, Nextdoor, for opening my eyes because yeah. now I realize what a crime-ridden, dangerous place this is. <laughs> oh, I'm geez. like, oh my God, you loved Brentwood. <laughs> then you got on Nextdoor, nothing happened to you. Yeah, yeah. But now you just think it's a cesspool. Yeah. I'm like, this is it's very privileged place to live. Of course it is. This is yes, an incredibly is. privileged place to live. And uh, and that's my, that's my main complaint. So this is what I love, though. So... You have been getting kicked off. I'm back in. And you're back in, but you have a plan to no longer sort of go toe-to-toe with, with the, the insults game or trying to correct data, but you have a new approach that you're going to start I do? moving into with <laughs> nice oh, right. Brentwood, right? Are you still going <laughs> to well, do that? <laughs> yes, I am. I, I was snapping some pic- pictures a moment ago because, you know, there, there's a, that group is very focused on taking photographs of the things that are wrong in a city and then trying to use that as leverage to out duly elected officials, always Democrats. We have, you know, these recalls out here in California, which are incredibly expensive. They, yeah, they're expensive. Newsom was 300 million plus, and, and then they tried to get uh, Gascon out. And the way they do it is they take a post. They're organized, by the way. They have a subgroup on next door, and they get together. And so there's a burned-out RV, and they post, now this guy has to go. We have to start recalling the guy who's up for election next year. Yeah. we got to get him out now. So my plan, and that, what I messaged you about uh, was, and, you know, and of course there's the old man, I can't walk around in the city anymore. I, I want to start taking pretty pictures. 
Like I took one today, the folks waiting in to get to buy cheap sneakers <laughs> and just go, no, this is what our life is like type of pictures. Yeah. I, if I wanted to, I could look around here and probably find a smashed car window <laughs> that somebody get smashed with a baseball, take a picture of that and go, look at this. But yeah. there's far more beauty and fun in this place. And, I, and that's what I was hoping to engage you in, too, is to just a day, every couple of days when you're back... <laughs> Look at this beautiful day we just had here. Oh, I want to do that. That's a challenge. That is a super nice challenge. And I think anybody out there listening, if you're on next door, do it for your area. You know, take take some pictures yeah. of just how awesome it is or the best parts, your favorite part of where you live and post that up. That's a good word. How you know? awesome it is because yeah. <clears throat> people are starting to use it as a crime notification app, yeah. which is what Citizen, that horrible app Citizen is. It's right. like, do that there. Keep the politics somewhere else. Let's keep this about small town life because there are no real small town newspapers anymore. And this is this is this, you know, really cool, like connection that we can have. Or it can just be another thing that most people ignore. Yeah. Because unfortunately, that's where it goes. You did um, last month. The Hollywood Reporter ran yeah. the article uh, and the title is Move Over TikTok and Instagram. Hollywood calls Nextdoor the most wonderful, horrible app in existence That right is my now. quote, yeah. That's your quote? <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. Because <laughs> this is what we've been saying. It's wonderful and it's horrible, right? Yeah. And how does that relate to Super Nice Club? Well, we can make it more wonderful and less horrible. So this is what's great. This is what's so great about Spike, given his uh, sort of cultural cachet. He's done a lot. He's written a lot of great stuff. Um, you were heavily quoted in this article. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the article because it's great. Ferriston has been suspended multiple times for heatedly arguing politics with his west side neighbors. As public discourse has become more and more polarized, San Francisco-based next door hasn't escaped the questions of content moderation plaguing other social networks. And this is a big topic, right? Content moderation on social networks is a big deal, especially with Facebook and Instagram, and they're going through their Facebook gate right now. Ferriston, who joined Nextdoor about five years ago, finds himself at the mercy of his neighborhood moderators. Um, this is great. Racism, vaccine, misinformation, and posts about the unhoused are likely to elicit a passionate response from Ferriston. It's the most wonderful, horrible app in existence, he says. It's also the inspiration. we got to talk about this if it's happening. Uh, for an unscripted show, Ferriston is developing for ABC. While his personal use of the app might be considered contentious, the aim of his show is to resolve everyday disputes. I think that's great. What's going on with that? Are you still developing that show? Is that gone anywhere? The TV version of Next Door? The reason there's this Hollywood Reporter thing is because yeah. I would get banned. When I'm podcasting on my uh, uh, entertainment car podcast, Spike's Car Radio, I would then start complaining about Next Door. The, the listeners loved it, and especially when I was getting suspended, they loved that. And, you know, it's in my head. And, like, I used to write for Seinfeld, and a lot of what I wrote for that show was based on my real life. What's happening in my real life and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say. So when this next door stuff started happening, we have a small uh, company that does unscripted TV. I said to my partner, I said, there's something here. You know, uh, these people are passionate on both sides. I see a lot of names that I can't believe are on there, like guys that are running studios and very big corporations. That surprises me. You know, right. tech companies, they're all involved. But there's this basket of neighborhood problems that there doesn't seem to be a solution for. Mm -hmm. You can call 911 for some stuff. You can call 311 for potholes and other things. But there's this middle ground of bad neighbors, noisy neighbors, fence disputes, uh, weird parking situations that nobody's addressing. And from what I can tell, this is going, along, going uh, around the whole world, the United States especially. Every street and neighborhood, no matter where, what economic level, you have problems with neighbors. Why don't we create a team of superheroes like... Uh, Let's take a host, maybe, who knows uh, uh, a little bit about how to mediate. Let's get a psychologist who can tell us about the psychology of these arguments and situations. And then let's get a, uh, like an overqualified private investigator, former uh, uh, law enforcement, who can do DNA testing on dog poop on somebody's See who's, who's and it let's, was. Yeah. let's find a troubled neighborhood. And then let's resolve problems. And by the end of the episode, maybe we've laughed, maybe we've been emotional, and maybe we've learned a lot on how to deal with these problems ourselves. Speeders in neighborhoods, another thing. So we brought that into ABC. 
you know, not just based on next door, based on right. Facebook, but just based on neighborhoods. Yeah. And they said, we've been waiting for this. <laughs> we've been waiting for somebody to come in and do something like this. So not a scripted show. Uh, no, no. Yeah. no I, I do okay. a lot of scripted okay. stuff, yeah. too. I'm doing a movie yeah. and stuff. But this this was just something pa- I was passionate about. I could, I was like, I would watch this show. So where are we at? You know, we're about to shoot the what's called the pilot. It's an arable pilot. Okay. Of the first episode of the show, which is going to be somewhere here in California. And, you know, TBA, COVID, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Tomorrow or in two weeks. I, I that's the only piece I don't know. And we're very hopeful it's gonna be, you know, something I think that everyone will will love to watch because we all live in this situation. Are you gonna do a Brentwood episode? Uh no. You know, there's this thing in li- linear TV that nobody wants to see uh, rich people, rich neighborhood problems, right? Right. I, I don't believe that's true because you got curb your enthusiasm with larry david you get succession doing really well right now on hbo but whatever yeah that doesn't matter the problems we went we did it we we did casting in california and in arizona and casting i mean for the people who are coming on with their problems right and man they were all the same we kept finding like fence disputes were really big um, loud neighbors. The interesting thing that's happening with casting is we don't know if the person complaining is the problem. And and that's fun to find out. A person they're complaining about is really a nice person. But that's where the, that's what's fun about this investigation. That's the twist. And that's where you have your PI, right? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. where we hope the show goes. So yeah. um, oh, That's great. Yeah, it's fun. Now, I, I'm really excited about this. Do you have a working title? Uh, Neighborhood Watch. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> It is definitely That's a working title. Perfect. You now though. know more about this show than anybody in the world, Todd. Oh, I love it. Since we haven't formally announced it. You know, getting back to next door in the comments, yeah, you'll see some crazy stuff, but unless somebody counters it with some factual data and goes, hey, no, this is what's really going on, there's a, a part of the population that's just going to believe it. Yeah. They're going to read it and believe what they're saying. We don't, we don't need vaccines. Because of this guy, this gardener over here told me his study. <laughs> this this guy, this guy who works in finance, he's like, well, you know, we don't use masks anymore because I read this over here. I did my own research. What? It's it's a difficult thing. I used to work for years uh, for a nonprofit working on social equity, climate, environment, all these interwoven crises that we face. And when I started... This was when climate change was still something that was very debated, right? I think we've come to a consensus, more or less, that it's a real deal. and you know, But it was still a contentious issue. And I said to them, I said, I'm a pretty good communicator. You know, I'm going to go to the local um, Republican office, and I want to engage with them about our research and what we're doing, because we were working with Bill McKibben and others, just some of the, the smartest uh, people out there uh, doing climate data. Um, but I'm going to do it from a apolitical, just, hey, can we sit down and just talk about this? Like, let's, let's, let's not do this whole thing where we just reject each other out of hand, right? I wanna, I'm approaching you. And the, the executive director said, well, you know, good luck with that. They're, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to give you the time of day. And I thought, yeah, they will. And this was before the Trump schism, right? This is 2008. You know, even then, I went to them, and I, I called them a couple of times, and uh, they just hung up on me. There was no ability to even start the conversation, which was so disappointing to me, because I wasn't going to come at it from a, your politics are wrong, or your this is wrong. I was like, hey, can we learn how to talk about this, and at the very least, agree to disagree, in a cordial way? Because I wanted to learn, and I still do, want to learn how to communicate with people who are coming from an entirely different background and perspective. Well, it's um, easy if you really want to do it. If you both have <laughs> to be willing. You both have to be willing, but yeah. if you're talking to someone who's normal, they've, that strategy's been laid out over and over again. You ask the person what they care about, and they say, for instance, I care about the, that the border's not open. And you say the same thing. Well, I care about that too. Tell me yeah. what you would do about it. Here's what I would do about it. Well, at least we can agree that we care about this issue. We just have different... And that, what, they're, what people over and over again will start to feel is they like you and they'll be more open to your opinion. Yeah, and... But that, then there are the other ones. <laughs> the other, what I call the super dumb, 
who are caught up in a world of anger and stupidity and nothing is going to shake them out of that because this, this message is really uh, attractive to them. That anger, they want to be an angry person or there's something going on in their life or frequently there's addiction or there's some other personal issue with them that makes them attracted to this message, this horrible message that's put out by one side. And that you just have to sidestep. You do, and you have to just hope that they will come out of that space to yeah. be more receptive at a later point in their life. Because most of us have been in, I know I have do you been. know? But have you read yeah. Stacey Dash? I have not. you know who Stacey Dash is? I don't. Stacey Dash was the actress in Clueless. <gasps> yeah. I just happened to read this story the other day. It's fascinating. And she had an addiction uh, to alcohol, I think it was. And then she, you know, she fell apart. She became a Fox News correspondent. And she's African-American. And I was wondering, like, what is going on with this girl? Why is she doing this? Right? She talks about it now. She's, you know, she's in, she's clean. And she was talking about, I was a very, I'm not going back to Fox News. I was a very angry person at the time. And now I'm not that way. But the Fox News message was attractive to me in that moment. What a fascinating statement that is. Yeah. I was angry because what I was doing to myself and this message really resonated with me. So I joined the club. Isn't that interesting? That is a really interesting idea. When you look at the, you know, this is veered into a political conversation, but some of the anger at the insurrection and some of those people are just screaming and the anti-vaxxer folks, the screaming and the anger, I look at it now and go, there's some personal issues there that maybe... They're, they're not working on and, use, you know, doing and this stuff instead. That's where the trouble is. The trouble is we, we all have this. Just take anti-vax and pro-vax or whatever. I don't think anybody's pro-vaccine. People would rather that there isn't a plague, right? They're just like... I'm pro-vaccine. I well, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I could say that I am, sure. I okay. love them. I don't want to die. <laughs> um, I'm just, I think we would all rather not have the issue in the first place. Yeah, right? that's true. So, but on the vaccine issue... It doesn't, it's not a problem for me if someone decides themselves, I don't want to get the vaccine. It's a problem when they get angry about it. It's a problem when... It's a problem when they, the, when the conspiracy they walk around is your kids. In, Do you have kids? And, yeah, I have three boys, right? right. You know, Doesn't that um, become a problem when they put you in danger and someone else? It's proselytizing that bothers me more than anything else. It's the proselytizing. It's the... Yeah, I don't like smokers walking by me. Um, aren't you happy they're off the airplane? Not killing us i i am happy that smokers are, are <laughs> off the, the airplanes same concept. i don't even remember when uh i don't even remember smoking on airplanes i, was, I do like <laughs> it was weird man i think back and i go it was weird well actually not so weird for me because my dad smoked in the car all the time and we would lecture him about uh, secondhand smoke and he said that's not real <laughs> you're gonna give us kids no i'm not i'm gonna be fine well, we all know what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, my, he died of cancer, just my, like we said. My grandfather died of emphysema from smoking. My yeah. father smoked. My right. father started smoking when he was fourteen. Yep, and he smoked uh, three to five packs a day for right. sixty years, uh, and then he, he quit like five years before uh, he did die. But he uh, wow, that's pretty good. He lost five a, years before he lost a leg from smoking. How um, did he do that? Just cancer spread? No, he um, you know smoking shrinks your capillaries right right and so he had a fall off of a roof and he had a minor bone fracture but it never healed right and then over the course of like 15 years one it went gangrenous and it's because of the smoking he couldn't get the blood flow to uh yeah you know his extremities wow and he had a lot of health problems from smoking and he, he finally did quit and he took uh, to his credit he took the money that he would have spent on cigarettes and put it in an envelope you know that's pretty good it added up. I uh, used to paid smoke for his funeral. cigarettes at, God, I, don't, I was thinking here going, thank God I never smoked. And I actually did. And uh, it was really hard to quit. Really the hardest thing that I ever did. And someone said, you should go to a smober meeting. And I said, what's a smober meeting? They go, it's a, it's a, a smoking anonymous meeting. I said, come on, really? And he go, just go to this meeting. I go, what do you, what do you, just go. Anybody can go. And I went in on a Saturday morning and I sat down, there was a group of people there and they started to tell stories like you just told. One woman talked about, I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to say this stuff. I'm not really part of that group. We only went to one meeting. But We're she, not naming names. <laughs> yeah, but she, she talked about, she would go out, uh, lived in an apartment and go out onto her porch, light up a cigarette and dream about traveling to Europe. 
And then when the cigarette was done, the dream would end. She'd go back inside and go back to work and watch TV and go, go out again, smoke, you know, do that all day long. Wow. And how she had quit smoking a year ago and she had just gotten back from Europe. She goes, I finally just went on the trip. <laughs> I didn't have to drink. I, I was tired of not dreaming and going to the porch. And do I just went. And it's so much better. And I'm so happy I don't smoke anymore. And I went, oh, my God. But I saw this group of people doing this thing. I went, well, fuck, I can do this. This isn't so hard. And it really, after that moment, I did not crave cigarettes anymore. I didn't, I didn't join the group. I would have. I would have been happy to. But it was, it was a miraculous kind of thing. And, I, and uh, boy, thank God. I'm spotting uh, a former Nice Work podcast guest, Emmett Kai sitting in the coffee shop is this coincidence or did he fly in from new york to stay with me for a week emmett you wanted to say hi how are you guys doing uh, could i borrow a dollar from either of you uh, maybe a nug of weed uh the dollar send... yeah that, um, that'd be great i hey uh spotify apple music look up emmett kai folks wonderful musician <laughs> definitely in the super nice club so Real quick, Emmett has a video coming out pretty soon about bird watching. A three minute clip on ornithology. What's it called? Air accessories. Air accessories. All right, where is it going to be released? It's going to be on YouTube, all, all of my platforms. Okay, all of Emmett Kai's platforms. There is a ornithologist's wet dream video coming out. When? Um, it should be coming out in the next week. All right, yeah, so beginning of November, folks. Um, Spike, I want to back up to your career real quick. You, before we started, before we pressed record, you said that you had a big leap of faith moment. Oh, when yeah. It came to Many of them. A, becoming, being a writer, that you just went all in. Tell I'm, us I'm in, right, in one right now. Yeah? What do you got? Well, the entertainment business is very much like taking all your chips and putting them on red or black. <laughs> and it's been like that since uh, the 80s. So I was, I was in school at Berklee College of Music studying music production recording engineering and realizing i'm not like your friend <laughs> i love music but i don't really want to uh i thought i was going to score movies and write it I, I go i'd rather enjoy it rather than take it apart but that was like three years into this education and i used to watch the david letterman show and that show really spoke to me and, and even though i was in because Boston, he's a genius well, at the time, there was nothing like that yeah. on television in late night, right? So you'd go out with your friends, you come back after drinking, you watch this uh, show, and you go, oh, my God, this is revolutionary, <laughs> right? This is the old NBC show. And uh, I told my friends, I'm going to go work for that show. They go, New York? They go, yeah. As what? I go, I, I don't know. I just want to be an intern on that show. Shortly after, you know, uh, putting myself through school bartending, this girl walks in with a, a late night with David Letterman varsity jacket. And as I'm shaking her hand, I go, can you get me an inter internship there? And she goes, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up. I'm, uh, I just broke up with a guy who does graphics for the show, and he's still in love with me. Boom. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> and before long, I'm flying on Big Apple Air for 29 bucks from Boston to New York and back, you know, halfway through the week. I would do a double shift at Legal Seafoods in Boston Sunday night. At Sunday and Monday, and then zip to New York and sleep on a friend's floor and work as an intern on Letterman and on Saturday Night Live. And that was a very big, that was a whole semester of school where I told my parents, I go, I'm going to take some time off here and do this thing, and I don't know what it's going to be. And had to had to call the head of uh, my department at Berkeley College of Music and go, I'm going to do this internship. They go, that's not music. I go, I know, but if you can see your way to giving me some form of credit or at least writing a letter that says that right. i can do it and the guy said sure and he did it and uh once i was in 30 rock and around those shows i went oh this is this is where i want to be so i went back after the internship sold my uh, electric keyboard sold my amp sold my motorcycle sold my guitars except for one took all that money and moved to New York. I had enough money for about three weeks <laughs> to live in New York City. <laughs> I didn't care, right? Yeah. These are all leaps of faith, right? And I'm, I'm staying with my friend's girlfriend somewhere out in deep in Brooklyn. And uh, three weeks in, I got offered a job on Saturday Night Live, which I turned down, a paying job, uh, because I was enjoying interning on Letterman. 
And when the Letterman people found out, they, they said, you're fired, man. We're doing this because we love you, but you got to leave. You're not getting paid here. That's everybody wants a gig like that. It was a, I was just going to be the receptionist. They go, do you have money to support yourself? I'm like, no, I'm almost out. They go, take the, take the job. And uh, that's where it all began. Really? I, I, okay. I answered phones on SNL. I started writing jokes for Dennis Miller, of all people. Yeah. Um, and uh, he started doing the jokes and kind of helping me with my writing. And, and uh, shortly after that, I, you know, gigs at MTV and then uh, got hired on Letterman as a writer where I wrote for five years. You know, I, I finally got back to the show I wanted to be on. Were you doing any comedy writing prior to that? Like no, I hated writing. Okay. I had, a, I had an English teacher in the 11th grade say, you know what, you're really good at writing. And I said, there is no effing way I am going to be. I hate taking this pencil. <laughs> there were right. no computers at that point. <laughs> I hate the type. I, I don't want to write. And then in college, the English teacher said the same thing. And I went, really? That's depressing. He goes, you should look at it. I go, I'm at music school, man. <laughs> Tell me about my play. Tell me something else. But something in your mind, something said this is my world where i want to be it's here's what it was i can tell you i had been probably like you baby uh, babysat by television growing up Mm -hmm. you know real babysitters my my parents would just park me in front of the tv and i kind of and i and i knew everything i just not i i don't know everything but i knew how to watch shows because i watched everything and i knew how i responded as an audience member and i thought i think especially in comedy i think I can write some of this stuff. And, and based on the jokes that I was giving Dennis, I, it's something seems to be working there. I'm going to do more of it. It was like that. So you just absorbed enough culturally to reflect it with your own unique twist. And it worked. I remember my roommate going, you can't be a writer. You don't know how to type. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. <laughs> so I still, to this day, I'm a one-finger typist. And uh, sometimes now I can speak, which is good. I can kind of speak it in and... A lot of times I'll have someone types for us now. It's good. But I'm still completely unqualified to do this job. Well, um, I love that you went for it. That's the thing. It's, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. so hard for, for most of us to just go for it because there's, there's a litany of excuses why we won't do it. Yeah. Right? And also for every person that, that makes that leap of faith and sticks the landing like you did, there's a, there's a lot who don't. Right? Right. Emmett, sitting across from us, also made the big leap from a small, small town in Northern California to Brooklyn. There you go. Healdsburg, California. Five years ago, something like that. And it was the same thing. Didn't, didn't have any money, landed mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and, and made it happen. Your three-week story is... is that's right on the nose, right? Nose, yeah. yeah. But yeah. That's, that's a universal thing I've, I've heard when I talk to people about their stories is putting yourself in a place, in a city where things happen. L.A. is one of them. Like, New mm-hmm. York is one of them. Boston was one of them. Putting yourself in a place where you can something can happen because a lot of times it won't happen in the middle of nowhere like I grew up in a really small town in Massachusetts and at the time there was no internet there was just you know it's a beautiful place but there was a racist component to it and there were a lot of people like yeah when I graduate high school I'm gonna go work on the farm or I'm gonna mow lawns or you know and I just thought huh I gotta get to Boston (laughs) I think there's stuff going on there that and people like me who you know want to do things (laughs) and do you miss Boston or New York yeah, of course. Yeah, I love... I mean, I'm watching the Red Sox right now. The Red Sox are playing right now, this oh, second. right now. Wow. It's game two. They lost last night. I but know. yeah, I love Boston. I, I love New York. Houston can't. Come on. Houston no, won. No they baseball, won last night. I know, but no baseball fan can be rooting for Houston. Yeah. Can we be real in a super nice world? Why? I just... I still can't get over the whole cheating thing. <laughs> I still feel like they do. I don't know. <laughs> they all cheat. Once, I know. It's, it's part of the thing. But... Uh, <laughs> They, the owner of the Houston Astros was just kind of a jerk about the whole thing. He, he would never really mm-hmm. ate any humble pie. That's the thing. If you can cheat, get busted, be apologetic. Show some grace. Like, oh, man, I know I got busted. Sorry, it was terrible. You know, and mean it. And, and show some, some class. And, you know, there's a lot of baseball purists. I'm more of a basketball guy, but there are a lot of baseball purists who really just hate that. Mm-hmm. It offends them. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're always going to be the hated team. Sorry, Houston. That's just, that's just how it is. We can't, before you go, we can't not talk a bit about cars. All right? We can't? We can't. Let's get a Red Sox score. Hey, Siri. All right. What's the Red Sox score? The Red Sox are beating the Astros 8-0. to zero. Oh. Inning in game two of the ALCS. What wow. inning? Wow. 
I can't eight see to the nothing. ending here. Fourth inning? Eight, eight to, to nothing. nothing. Houston, right. we have a problem. That's, That's great. All right, so a couple things on the car thing. Yeah, um, let's talk cars, sure. You have incredible podcast all about Thank cars. Thank you. Spikes um, Car Radio. Spikes Car Radio. Check it out wherever you get your, your podcast. Yes. He has a lot of famous people on Well, Jerry's podcast. in the cast. Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Matt Farah from uh, he's the Smoking Tire, Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend, and then my friend Paul Zuckerman is a personal injury lawyer. But you also, <laughs> like you interview uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. And Christian Bale. and um, Well, I work in entertainment. So it's and I had a late night show at one point. Steve Martin? Yeah. Maybe not Steve Martin. I would love to Jamie. interview Steve oh Martin. Oh, God, boy. man. That would um, be great. Have you ever... I had a guest of this podcast, an early guest of the podcast. It was a guy I did some writing for years ago named Jonathan Ward. He has Icon. Yeah. Have you ever seen his vehicles? I've interviewed him oh, several have you? times. Yeah, oh, okay. I had him yeah. on my TV show, Car Matchmaker. Yeah, oh, he he's did. the best. He's amazing. Uh, and he's building an incredible new... Car museum. He is a thing. factory of coolness. Yeah. He's one I, of the few guys that has it together. I think Jonathan Ward and what he's doing at Icon, I mean, they're out of my price range for now. They're, they're dream machines they're out for of me. Everybody's price range. But the attention to detail, this is artisanal car crafting. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and he knows it too. He knows how to build the stuff. And, and when you go out there, you'll see all the husks, the, the trucks, and the, the scouts, and all of the things that he's getting ready to build. And Boy, he really has it down. And he, you know, when I was over there, I was in their lunchroom, and they had a dry erase board with schedules on it. And I go, what's this? I've never seen this in a car mechanics bed. They go, every morning we have a morning meeting, so everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Everybody's dressed nice. They have Frank Sinatra playing in the bays. It's really an amazing thing to look at and hyper organized and very neatly organized i look for that in any mechanics shop that i bring a car to i look for organization because that personality is going to really help you with your car if it's a mess and everything's grease all over stuff you don't want to get your car fixed there you don't want to have anything built there completely agree to detail so if you're a car person and even if you're not if you just like well-made things check out icon icon 4x4 i think it's icon 4x4.com um check it out because they're just they're gorgeous secondly i want to run my dream car past you this is one that i've had in mind for 25 years and uh it's okay if you're not feeling it but uh it's my dream all right it's my dream so i want a minty, fresh 1975 Toyota Celica. All right, they're like <laughs> rear-wheel drive, five-speed. Yeah. And turn it into a convertible. I'm not a convertible guy. You want to right? turn it into a convertible. Because they never made one. Right. But if, You if want you to do were, a conversion. If you remember those Celicas, they kind of had like, they were like mini late 60s Camaros. They kind of had these sexy uh, haunches, yes. rounded haunches. Yes. I saw one once in Healdsburg, California, and it was bright yellow. And somebody had done the conversion. And I'd already been dreaming about this car. Sometime take a look. It would be a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful thing. I know, I know my dream car is kind of, you it's know. It's cool. It's not as very long exotic as you're happy, but. I'm happy. I don't care. I don't judge anybody. I, I, it's always funny to see everybody's passion for these stupid things that we get into. Yeah. I used to, you know, people would come up to me all the time and uh, and say, you know, well, I'm not like you. I'm not a car guy. I just got my Prius. And then they'd start talking about their Prius for an hour. And I'm like, yeah. you're a car guy because you love this thing with wheels. That's all I am. I just love different things, you know. That's what I love about the car community is they're very accepting of everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know. And I talked to, in my travels and entertainment and this car I bought, I ended up talking to uh, Dickie Smothers of the Smothers Brothers. Remember the Smothers Brothers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Smothers Brothers, six, they have the big show, CBS. They get into trouble. They're doing, it's in the 70s, I guess, doing uh, stories about the war. CBS is like, they're keeping them out of the writer's room and kicking them out while they're writing the show, right? It's huh. right before it ends. So they're out in the parking lot of CBS working on their cars. You know, the stagehands, the crew's out there, and they're like, oh, you know, I got a car, too. And they go, why don't you come racing? Suddenly, the car community just, in, you know, they, they want to race. They're celebrities. They come up to the track. They're insecure about that. They're like, ooh, we're entertainment comedians. Yeah. The car community just wraps their arms around them and goes, we'll help you with it. What do you need? What do you want to learn? It's okay, you knew. And, and they found this happy, accepting, nice community in a moment where entertainment was, you know, kicking them in the nuts. 
right? Yeah. It's not the same in entertainment, but in the car community, it's generally this really nice place of people who really like each other and take care of each other. <laughs> COVID-19. I know. She just <laughs> coughed on us without a mask. <laughs> I'm going to hold my breath for 30 seconds. <laughs> And then the last thing, you get to be the host for one second. Yes. You get to ask me one question, any question. I, I asked you I at the very beginning, part. my only question for you, Todd. Oh, right. That was, was, that was the is one. Is Brilliant your real last name? Yeah. And the answer was yes. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Yes. And I, I totally lied to you, too. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I totally lied. It was a whole evasive. You didn't hear how evasive I was for that whole thing? No, I took you to be... That's not your real last name? Well, it's not my birth last name. Well, that... But it is legally my last name. It is? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's legally... If it's legally your last name... Yeah. Like, I'm going to look at your driver's license and that credit card right there in a minute. You show me that credit card right now. I look like I should be in the tent row across the street on my driver's license. There it is. Wow. Brilliant. Look at that. All right. There you uh, go. All right. So <laughs> now we your listeners that. all wanted to know this too, Todd. They want to know what I lied about? No, they want to know that your brilliant was your real last name. Trust me. They wanted to know. Oh, that. yeah. You know, it was never really that big of a deal until I moved to L.A. And L.A. is the city of like stage names. So it's you have to admit it's not a very common last name. <laughs> yeah. My 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 uh, I was born with the last name Sorum. Ah. S-O-R-U-M. Uh, Norwegian last name means of the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a real rock and roll last name. Yeah. Matt Sorum. Yeah. I met him, and we talked about uh, our last name. Yep. Yeah. And his wife, Ace, I think. Anyway, that's it. That was fun, Todd. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you, Spike. Appreciate the fight. I will get out of jail, I think, about three days before this podcast <laughs> lands. So I will try to stay out of jail. Stay out. It's... Hard, you know. I, I I may be the president of the super nice club, but part of it is because I have work to do, uh, and and next door challenges my civility at times. I just sometimes I'll I've see never red. read you being sharp in any way. Your posts are always funny and very positive. Yeah, but I. But well, you can't masquerade as next door. I'll type other things out, <laughs> and yes. then delete them. Oh, I do that. You know? I totally do that. Which are. Which is very unfriendly and inappropriate, but they make me laugh. They want us gone, so we have to figure out how to stay. Yeah, we got to figure out how to stay. We'll work together. Anybody out there, next week there will be a uh, Spikes Challenge. will be a standalone episode, the bi-weekly standalone challenge episode. And if you participate in that challenge, you can win some sweet prizes. But you won't learn about that until a week from Tuesday, a week from when you're listening to this. If you listen to this when it debuts, otherwise it could be a year ago, three years ago, and then you'll be too late. So I'll set a time limit on that contest. But you can imagine what you would have done to win something really sweet. Spike, thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. A super nice conversation with super nice human Spike Ferriston. I know that one was a little bit different. We don't usually do a a takedown on something or someone, but... Next door is just too juicy a topic not to not to visit, especially given that we had Spike. You know, his career is pretty awesome and hopefully inspiring to you on its own. Next week, next week Spike is going to issue his Be Nice Challenge. So tune in for that on the next episode. A little something you can do that uh, Spike thinks will make your world and the world a little bit nicer. So check out that. Might even tie it to a giveaway of some sort. We usually do give away some swag uh, with the Be Nice Challenge episodes. Hey, if you like this podcast at all, if you dig it, how about maybe like sharing it with one person? One person you think, oh, who do I know that would dig this podcast? Grandma. Maybe grandma. Maybe grandma would dig the hell out of this podcast. So send this podcast to your grandma. Uh, maybe grandpa. I don't know. And that is so appreciated because that's how these things kind of grow, right? Through word of mouth, through sharing. Yeah. I'm out of words. I'm out of inspiration. I just don't know where else to go with this. But the mic is in front of me. It's one of those foam-covered mics, you know, and it just compels me to keep talking. So that's what I'm doing. I'm in a little booth, a little bathroom by myself. And I'm wrapping up the outro 
to a podcast episode. Can you relate? I don't know. Hope not. Anyway, until next week, everyone, stay nice.
So what? Big deal. 